0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm Veronica Ambule, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and I'm joined today by Deacon Patrick Jones, who's an award winning author of Catholic fiction and the founder of Catholic Halos, and Deacon Doug Flynn, who is the Chancellor and General Counsel for the Diocese. Uh, before we begin our discussion today, Deacon Patrick, would you lead us in an opening prayer?
1: In nomine Patris, et filiates Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Iesus.
0: Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pronobis peccatoribus, nunc in ora mortis nostre. Amen.
1: Heart of Jesus, I adore thee. Heart of Mary, I implore thee. Heart of Joseph, pure and just, in these three hearts, I place my trust. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Amen.
0: So uh, the reason that Deacon Patrick uh, read that prayer this time is, is because the our topic for today is the Holy Family. So um, the, the Feast of the Holy Family is celebrated i believe on the the sunday after christmas um each year and uh so we know that um obviously with uh the fourth sunday of advent falling um this year on the 24th uh it's actually less than a 24 hour period 18 so we have,
1: hour a week.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we have an interesting um uh liturgical situation. Um it's been it's been uh posted in a at a lot of different places, but unlike last year when Christmas was on a Sunday, um this year with Christmas on a Monday, we uh have the opportunity to attend Mass Twice, Once for the Sunday obligation, which is, as we said, the fourth Sunday of Advent, and then one for for Christmas itself. So um, certainly don't envy the pastors out there who are looking <laughs> at essentially, you know, the possibility of five to six masses. Um, Sippy
1: cups of coffee.
0: Right. <laughs> um but uh, but anyhow the uh, the so the the feast of the holy family then is going to end up being I believe on December thirty uh, first which um, is also New Year's Eve uh, the other kind of lit- liturgical wrinkle about that then is that January first the solemnity of Mary Mother of God is not a holy day of obligation in 2024 because it Falls on a Monday, so got to stay on our toes this year. Um, But (laughs) that doesn't
1: mean you don't, that that you shouldn't go to church.
0: Right, and 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 uh, uh, most of the parishes are having at least one mass on January first. Some are having more than one. That's all on our diocesan website at uh, diocs.org. If you there's a parish mass time link there and it's you know that's all laid out but um
1: and your priest may appreciate you showing up with a sippy cup of coffee for him too
0: (laughs) yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be grueling uh uh, it's will it's gonna hopefully they'll treat it as a marathon and not a sprint because um (laughs) it'll it'll be for the ones especially who don't have a parochial vicar it's gonna be a, a very long weekend um but anyway, getting back to our topic, so we uh, we decided we would discuss the Holy Family, um, and one of the uh, one of the books that I have come across that um, I, I think uh, explains the Holy Family very well is the book. It's a kind of a spiritual classic. Called to Know Christ Jesus by Frank Sheed, and he was the Sheed of Sheed and Ward, that very um, important Catholic uh, publisher back in the day. Uh, but in um, Chapter Six of his book, he he starts out by uh, he calls it calls it Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And he says, the holy family was a family, not a mother and a son with a man in the house. Joseph and Mary were husband and wife, and Jesus was the son of both. Mary's son by birth, Joseph's son, because Joseph had accepted him, for which Jewish law was decisive. Joseph was the head of the house. So uh, he really, um, as he goes through his chapter, um, he reiterates in a lot of different ways that um Jesus and Mary Jesus Mary and Joseph at least um they they lived completely in line with the customs of the day of course excluding anything you know morally objectionable but that they they were um a normal family that um where uh even even though their son was the second person of the blessed trinity uh by outward appearances they would not have seemed strange or different um and uh he he and I know we've talked about this um before on the show I think when we did a show specifically about St. Joseph, but uh, one of the things that Sheed says was that um, artists have tended to picture Joseph as an old man, apparently on the principle that since Mary had a child, she had to have a husband for the sake of repu- her reputation. And obviously, since that was her sole reason for having a husband, the older the better. But such an arrangement with Joseph merely brought in to keep the neighbors from talking would hardly be a marriage at all, but rather a mockery of marriage. To repeat a phrase, Joseph was not simply a man living in the house. He was the head of the house, and within the family his word was law, and he was Mary's husband. We must think of them as truly husband and wife, with a true union of personalities, each bringing completion to the other, with a profound sharing of interests, sharing of lives, enriched by the special graces from God that their virginity called for.
1: Well, let me jump in there, if I might, Veronica, because we'll be getting readings uh, about how uh, Joseph was going to dismiss Mary uh, quietly. And when you go back and you read, what the early church fathers had to say about that there's a fascinating and beautiful idea there and it's that the reason that joseph was going to quietly dismiss mary isn't because he isn't because of her pregnancy out of wedlock it was because uh the she he was deeply humbled Because he understood her call and her holiness, and he didn't feel worthy to be her husband. Uh, And that sheds everything in a completely different light when we see it that way. And uh, Mary of Agrita, I believe she's uh, blessed, or she's somewhere along those stages towards uh, sainthood. Uh, And then it stalled out at some point, but she's from 1400s maybe uh she describes the story uh from her visions that she has where mary is in the stable and she starts to clean it as you might think any mother would do in a stable where she's either going to give birth or has given birth and joseph sees this and says well that's not right so he starts cleaning and the ten thousand angels look at the Holy family uh, cleaning and they say, well, that's not right. (laughs) So they start cleaning and in no time, the whole stable was cleaner than anywhere else on earth. Uh, So that kind of paints this amazing picture of working together in the circumstances that uh, they're in to reveal God's love in the world. And, and that's what your, the quote you were reading, uh, Veronica, alludes to. Um, and there's a concept uh, that through Christ, we become the adopted sons of God. And that means that we're royalty. Christ is the king of the universe. Mary is queen of heaven. And... As part of a royal family, we then have what's called noblesse oblige, which is the obligation of the noble uh, to um, we have been given uh, graces and treasures uh, in abundance. And we're called to share those with those who aren't yet part of the holy family. Uh, as part of our evangelization. And so we can understand the entirety of our Christian lives as what are we called to do as members of the Holy family.
0: Yeah. Deacon Patrick, um, it's, uh, it's interesting, uh, that, that, that the, um, the story that you bought that you uh, relayed from Mar- Mary of was is it correct? Uh, um, because the the whole the whole relationship of kind of the the divine and the uh, human aspects of the lives of Jesus Mary and jo- Joseph is like a really kind of fascinating area. Um they and I don't not to digress too much, but they they address Have you it. heard
1: this podcast?
0: <laughs> right, I guess. I, yeah, I suppose that was a um unnecessary little qualification there, but um they address it somewhat in the television series The Chosen, but um in in this in again going back to the the sheed book uh to know Christ Jesus one thing he says is um what part indeed had human parents to play in the upbringing of a child who is god this was the first stage of the question how the union of god and man in one person would work out in actual fact there was no precedent to guide mary and joseph we cannot know and only very cautiously can we try to think out what it meant to them. And, and, uh, you know, he goes on to talk about how, um, for example, uh, and this may seem very obvious, but we, we know that some pious traditions can arise that aren't necessarily, um, uh, actually like born out. In fact, so, so, um, Uh, Joseph and Mary had the obligation to make sure that Jesus was fed and clothed. Like it wouldn't have just magically happened if they had for, I mean, we don't think this would ever happen, but had for some reason decided, you know, neglected him or, or whatever. Um, and it also talks about in the book, how, um, on the natural level, Jesus was like other babies in that he progressed in his, um, you know, physical abilities, right? So he crawled and then he um, walked and, and then ran and, and that kind of thing. And, and so, but yet we, but yet also we know that there was, um, uh, then, then you kind of fast forward to, um, where he gets lost and, and his parents find him in the temple. And, okay, we know that that was maybe he was like 12 or 13 at that point. Um, that there was this also d- divine knowledge, right? Um, although Jesus would have certainly studied the scriptures, um, you know, under, uh, probably with Mary being one of his primary teachers, but, so, but somehow there was, um, it's a, you know, kind of implied that, that, uh, he, he, uh, already had, um, s- some knowledge of that, that he was the Messiah and, and that he would be, you know, w- was going to be the one to redeem the human race. So it's, it's a, again as he says in the book you know we can't know exactly how everything played out but um it, it, i think uh sorry circling back to your point deacon patrick um when when we consider that the the holy family had the same day-to-day hardships and struggles that we do um we then can we can really um, benefit from, you know, meditating on these various episodes in their life, you know? And um, so obviously we do that with the mysteries of the rosary, but um, even the whole thing of when Jesus's life was in danger due to King Herod, um, the, the trust in God that Joseph and Mary had in, in going to, a strange country you know i think those types of episodes can um help us help us to know better how uh, god is asking us to respond to some of these challenges that come up
1: and one of the ways that the church has long understood and expressed who is the holy family is uh, another title for them is the earthly or the terrestrial Trinity and there are paintings. If you do a a search uh, for the two Trinities, you'll find a number of different paintings. Um, One of them is by, uh, uh, and I'm going to potentially butcher his name, uh, Bartholome uh, Esteban uh, Murillo. Um, And it depicts down at the lower half, uh, Mary, the Holy Spirit, Joseph on the far right, the father and Jesus, the son. And Jesus of course is also the second person of the Holy Trinity. Uh, and so then you have the father at the very top and in between them, you have the dove, the Holy Spirit. Um, and, that's, we're called, we, we know that the, the further along we are on the journey towards holiness as we run towards Christ, um, we know that we're called to enter into divine life with the Trinity. And one of the amazing ways that begins is in the Holy Family, the earthly Trinity. And that informs us what life is like in the Holy Trinity. Um, and so the, uh, there, there's a temptation, I think, uh, in today's society to think, well, the Holy family, they, they're inaccessible. There's really nothing we can learn from them. Uh, and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, we're called through humility to enter into life in the Holy family, uh, and, And learn from them?
2: Well, one of the things I've taken to lately is collecting litanies, and uh, earlier this week um, our director of marriage and family life sent me a litany to the Holy Family, which I thought was very timely, and uh, as you know, litanies oftentimes give um, various different names by which uh, the object of the litany are known and uh, they do indeed talk about jesus mary and joseph image of the blessed trinity here on earth and i'm not going to read all of the uh, litany but there is a section that i think is uh, particularly evocative of what we've talked about so far it says holy family perfect model of the christian family pray for us holy family center of peace and concord pray for us holy family whose protector is a model of paternal care pray for us Holy Family, whose mother is a model of maternal diligence, pray for us. Holy Family, whose divine child is the model of filial obedience, pray for us. And then I'll probably wait till we get towards the end and then do the final prayer of that litany, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, sounds sounds good. Um, you know that that it's interesting. Uh, it, uh, Further along in this chapter on Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, uh, the author, Sheed, writes, um, At six, Jewish boys went to school. The class would have been held in the synagogue, or perhaps if the weather was good, outdoors, and the children would either stand or sit on the floor. Reading and writing were taught first, though it is a reasonable guess that Jesus had learned to do both at home. The teaching was almost entirely scriptural. No mathematics worth mentioning. My son would have loved that. No geography, (laughs) no history, save that of Israel, no science. For the first four or five years, they were taught almost exclusively from the Torah, the five books of Moses. But here's kind of the strange part. Knowing the customs of the time, one wonders if Jesus was beaten at school. The Old Testament is convinced that beating is good for boys, and no, no one with any memory of his own school Days will feel that that the fact he did not deserve to be beaten meant that he never was. Even the best of teachers suffers from his liver occasionally. But can can, can you imagine being <laughs> go, go dying and find out that you were the one that gave Jesus a spanking? You know. And um, but but uh, it's it again. It's it, it it is interesting um that you know to think that um. Jesus would have, um, as a boy sat in like a classroom l- learning al- along with the other, um, children. And that, um, as, as alluded to in that litany, you know, he, um, he never used his divinity as like a way to, um, get out of doing anything or, um sh- showing off um you know for other children and obviously of course because he was sinless too but um you know that he 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 uh he was subject to authority all through all throughout his um childhood and, and young adulthood. He never he never um tried to escape authority. And, and, you know, maybe that's um, something that we can think about in our own lives. Uh, You know, first of all, are we properly wielding the authority that we have as parents? Um, You know, and that, that can play out in a lot of different ways, obviously. (laughs) Um, And, and then am I obeying the the legitimate authority that um, I should be, even if, I don't always, um, understand what, um, why I'm being told to do something or, you know, um, it's just, it it could be a, it could be a good, you know, part of our examination of conscience. Just how am I, have I, uh, kind of fallen into the, um, maybe even bad habit of always questioning or poking fun up, you know, whatever, um, authority is in my life.
1: Well, one of the things that that brings up is the uh, difference between authority and power. And you talked about how Jesus didn't use his authority, heavenly authority, uh, and authority is only given, can only be given by God. So you mentioned the authority of parents. Well, that's given to parents by the grace of being parents, whether the parents choose to receive that grace is a whole nother question. Uh, and how they choose to wield it is a whole nother question. And do they abuse it, confusing it for power and power is an earthly, uh, issue. So it's not an office, a heavenly office, uh, a mystical office. It's, um, power is a position, an earthly position, And you can have some positions have both. Uh, so obviously the pastor of a church has authority and power. Uh, but the, um, the challenge is how, how do you humbly, how do we humbly, uh, one, we're all sheep, no matter what authority we wield, we've been given, we've been entrusted with whatever offices we hold, we are all sheep. And uh, so first, how is it, what authority do we submit to? And uh, there's a beautiful, um, I can't remember the saint who, who uh, says it, but we're called to be obedient to the shepherds that Jesus entrusts us to in all things even as you say, Veronica, when it doesn't make any sense until in the very least way it goes against what they're asking goes against the will of God. Um, and so it's a beautiful way to examine our conscience and learn and form and doing so within a halo, uh, where you can ask somebody else and, and say, well, I don't understand this. Does this make sense? Um, is a a great way to uh to do that examine.
0: Yes, and uh y- you know, um Deacon Patrick it, I I really like the fact that you um explained the distinction between power and authority. Um you know, it's I, what what it, what occurs to me is that um you know, our modern culture really seems to, in a lot of ways, despise authority, but um r- life is, life is going to be so much worse when it's all about who has the most power, you know, I mean, we, we've seen that, um we've seen that play out uh, so many times in history, and now we're seeing it, you know, play out around the world. I mean, um people are so afraid of it seems you know submitting to authority whether it be a religious authority or um a governmental authority again you know keeping in mind that they they can be in error but um but yet really authority true true authority when exercised well protects the weakest whereas Uh, You know, a society based on who's most powerful, as we know, it's the weakest who get attacked first, you know. My
2: Christmas cookie tin. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm
2: reminded of that, one of the lesser objectionable Disney movies, The Lion King, where he finds out he's the king and he says, come on, guys, I'm still the same guy I was before. And the response for the meerkat is, yeah, but with
0: power. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's a great line yeah and 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 you know your head right and and um you know uh it's it it is um that that movie is a great example of uh just how um things go wrong so quickly when when that's the dynamic at play right you know and and Especially the Disney's whole Disney's kind
1: of an example of just how wrong things can go very <laughs>
0: <Right>? quickly. True, <laughs> true. true. It's, we long for the days of Lion King, that's that's for sure. But, um, but uh, okay, well.
2: This might be a good time for us to uh, pray the uh, end of the litany to the Holy Family. Sounds good. O oh God of infinite goodness and kindness, who has deigned to call us to this family, Give us the grace to venerate Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, so that imitating them in this life, we may enjoy with them the life to come. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Well, uh, since this is going to be our last uh, podcast recording of the year, we want to thank uh, all of our listeners who, who've stuck with us for for another year and uh, just Remind everyone that you can find this episode and all past episodes of Catholic Halos on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms. Uh, so feel free to to check us out there. Uh, Deacon Doug, would you lead us in a closing prayer? Certainly. Ave Maria, gratia plena, dominus
2: tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui Iesus.
0: Sancta Maria, Matur Dei, Ora Pronobis Picatori, nunc et and Anora Mortis Nostre. Amen. Thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the Catholic Halos Podcast.